Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Daryl Blackburn, who is once again sitting in for Matt Watson. Hi, Daryl. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I am excellent and improving once again. So, I'm going to talk about some stuff today that I think is a hot topic for a lot of our listeners. I know that many of you have businesses that are advanced, some have not even started businesses, but I work today. We're going to talk about early stage obstacles. Are you ready, Daryl? Always ready. I like it. All right. So, you know, there's a lot of numbers out there about a lot of different things involving startups, their success or lack thereof. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can get in your way. Um, as far as the statistics go, for startups and their success, well, let's just be realistic. It's not high. Um, there's a lot of things that I don't have a ton of faith in the accuracy of some of those, but overwhelmingly, you know, you and I both went to the same business school at one point. They pretty oh, yeah. much tell you, you have about a four out of five chance of failing. Oh, yeah. If that is even that good. Yeah. I would be shocked if it was actually, if your chances were that good. Right. So, um, we have some lists here of some of the obstacles that can get in the way and I'm going to just jump right in cause there's a lot of stuff here. I want to get through it. So, well, you know, I've given a lot of advice to people about starting a business and I always tell people, you know, you need to try to start businesses around topics that you have a mastery of things that you're interested in and preferably think both of those and that you're passionate about it, but your overall business environment, you know, the, uh, you know, it, not having a deep concrete knowledge about your competition or, you know, things that are required or maybe even the solution, um, that you are trying to find is a strategic error. Would you agree? I agree. I think one of the biggest things a lot of people forget to do is some kind of feasibility study on yeah. their idea to see if it's just an idea that already exists or doesn't have any marketability or what the market even looks like. If there's even an idea there that could turn into a business, they just jump full force in and it never works out well. You know what I used to try to figure that out at first? What? Google. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty simple. So, yeah, um, I, I really have had uh, quite a few meetings in the past with people, and they come in and they, you know, they want to tell, they're talking to us about their idea, whether they want full scale to help them build it, whether they're seeking investment or maybe even just validation. And I've said to so many people, I'm like, are you aware that someone else already does this? And they say, no, someone doesn't. And I'm looking at my computer and say, I just Googled it. Like I find pages of competition here. So right. anyway, yeah, you want to, you know, investors want to back people that are knowledgeable and that have an understanding of the industry. So, all right. Um, another early stage obstacle is weak brand identity. Well, I think when you're in an early stage, you're not going to have any brand identity, but you know, you, you people like to come up with clever names for things and do different stuff. 
And it's not always intuitive to figure out what it is that this company does by their name or their logo. Yeah. Now, at the same time, that's not always super easy to do. Like a look at Gigabook, that doesn't necessarily say that, hey, make appointments here. But it is still somewhat topical. If you come up with a weird, you know, name like, you know, Quizalufify, and it's like, what does that even do, you know, or how do you spell it? Um, that, so I think some of the things with the, you know, related to the brand identity as well that are important to consider is, is like, well, first off, can people even spell your name? Um, have you really thought it out? What does it look like? Is your domain available? Are you a .net? Are you a .com? If you just Google the name of your business, what comes up? Right. Well, as, as you kind of alluded to with, are you a .net or .com? One thing that I always look at and we always talk to people about are, are you at, at AOL.com? Do you look like you're in the business of yeah. doing the business that you're in? Yes. So while, while Gigabook isn't easily identified as a time management and booking solution, you can easily identify that we're in the business of doing whatever we're supposed sure. to be doing. So, yeah, uh, you can if you search for us especially. Right. And then it's, you know, like right there on the banner of the website, you know, uh, um, appointment booking made easy. Right. At least on most days. All right. Next would be insufficient capital. Well, that's, I mean, isn't that always the, the barrier that people are trying to cross? That's why you're seeking investment and different stuff. But, you know, I like to say, you know, what's your path to revenue? Right. And do you have enough path to make it there? Burn rate, runway, whatever you want to call it. I think people grossly, and I mean grossly, overestimate their ability to bring money in and how much it's going to cost to get there. And then they run out. Right. And then you're dead. So you have some financial <laughs> background. I was just <laughs> hoping to sit this out so I didn't have to relive every nightmare of my past. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we've had some of this together. Yeah, I mean, that's always the fun thing is trying to juggle that cash flow. It's, it's the it's a necessary evil to be really good at that skill. And I feel like the people that aren't really good at it, you either need to find someone that is and mm -hmm. surround yourself with that person and those people, or you need to get really good at it yourself because that is going to be a key part of whether you make it, whether you have a great idea or not, it does take money to run a business and yeah. it takes a lot of it. And if you've never done it, you don't have that roadmap. It's going to take more than you think. And if you think you have just enough money to get to whatever finish line you have, you don't. You're wrong. Right. Yeah, like way wrong. Um, there's a lot of things that go with that. They say, you know, assume things are going to cost twice as much and take twice as long. I'd go with three times. At least three times as much. You're, yeah. much, you're much better off to, to be off on that. Yeah. On that estimate, would you agree? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, you're talking about your inability or lack of learned lessons. Um, I mean, that that's just a, a supplement to what you were talking about. Get yourself around the get yourself around people that that complete you. I love to use Watson and I as examples for this because Watson completes me. <laughs> But it's, it's so true though. Like he's, he's more technical. I'm more sales oriented. I like doing the things that he doesn't like doing in the other way around. And it right. makes a good fit. And then we also do have a lot of things that overlap that, that I think go really well. I like to call us Jordan and Pippen on some days, but you know, Michael Jordan didn't win six rings without Scotty Pippen and the other way around. Right. Right. So find people that are good teammates. Um, I'll let you 
talk about, I'll let you bring this next one in since you are the creator of master service agreements and all paperwork for full scale. So lay it on me. Unprotected assets. What? So unprotected assets is the quickest way to just lose everything that you're doing. So if you have a good idea and you have raised the money and you have adequately planned and surrounded yourself by people that can help you get to the finish line, one surefire way to blow it is to not protect them through some sort of legal method. Right. Or yourself. Right. I mean, even just like unprotected assets too, is you like it, whether you know it or not, if you start a business and you don't file paperwork, you have just become a sole proprietor, which is the worst type of business ownership right. at all. That just gives anybody and everyone a direct, a direct uh, pipeline to your assets. Well, and then and, your, it's your ideas. It's every employee that you hire, yep. every client that you interact yep. with, every single person has access to take that from you at that point, unless you're adequately covered. At the same time, you don't have to be overly paranoid about it. I'm not going to take your meeting if you want me to sign an NDA before we talk. I just don't have time. Right. I just don't have time for that. You know, if you think that I'm going to steal your idea, don't even bring it. Because I'm not. I got other. I got other shit to do. I'm not passionate about whatever. It, like you're the one that's supposed to be passionate about whatever idea you have. I mean, I'm right. Got enough going on. The idea theft, the theft of intellectual property is not currently on my daily schedule yeah. or my future plans. Well, that I mean, that's back to step number one about your business environment is you're not the master of that anyway. So it'd take a lot to carry that out. But I mean, definitely protect yourself. You're working very hard and putting a lot of effort and money yeah. and time into this. So just take the extra step to make sure that it's covered. Yeah. And, that, and some of that's just insurance on your own business. Right. It's not expensive to insure most businesses. No. I mean, if you have a shit ton of revenue, then it goes up a little bit. But in the beginning, in the early stages, you won't. Right. I'm talking like 50, 100 bucks a month. It's a general liability policy. Mm-hmm. The weirdest things can happen in and around your business. And they will always happen at the worst time, too. All right. Um, the next item on our list, I think, is... <laughs> One that you're always going to run into, um, staffing errors. So, oh man, I, you know, this could literally be its own episode. Um, we have, we have 169 employees right now. Until gonna, Monday. Until, yeah. and, oh, is that, am that's, I hiring more people yeah, on Monday? That's, Probably. That's new orientation Monday. You never know what kind of a job people are going to do until they show up and do it. Right. I've had people that have interviewed. I thought they were going to be like the greatest thing we had ever seen. And then they show up and they're terrible. Yep. Or or you didn't realize that maybe they've got some personal issues that you weren't prepared for. Right. I, you, we have, we've done this together. We, we have. <laughs> on a few for people we can't name for reasons of wanting to protect our assets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're going to make hiring errors. The worst thing you can do is live with them. Right. You move on. You move on. I, I, as, as impersonal and mean as this might sound, you have to flush the turds. Right. It's a, a very eloquent way of saying it. I mean, you do, man. Like, you know, like, and especially in the beginning, if you have limited resources, if you've got the wrong people around, you got to move on. Yeah. And I think it's hard. Well, it's hard. I, th- I think generally, you know, there's that gut feeling that that yeah. person just doesn't fit. You yeah. can do all the due diligence up front and your interviews and 
we the different technical assessments and whatever is related to your industry, you assess the best way that you can. You're always going to miss yeah. some. And you generally know it's best to cut the cord for for the benefit of the employee too. They if you, are not if you going think to I sh- should, I, if you think, man, I should maybe fire this person, then you probably should because right. you're thinking it. You're just at that now. At that point, you are officially talking yourself out of it. Right. The only the only time I would ever disagree with that is if you've asked someone to do something outside of the skill set they were hired for. Yeah then maybe you're doing a bad job at placing that person in a place to yeah. succeed. So put them back where their skill set lies. If it still doesn't work at that point, cut the ties. Yeah. I mean, it's just that simple, but you, I mean, you gotta, I, I like to have loyalty and stick with people, but you know, one thing I've always said is that good employees are good right away. It's true. They're good right away. I never, I can't look back. And I, at this point, I've either hired and managed or have my own, I mean, I don't know, probably five, 600 employees across like all the people that I've managed and hired as the manager. And that was way back in the day or just different stuff. And I never look, I can't look back at any of them and go, man, that guy was terrible. And then he later became our all-star. Never happens. It's rare. It never, ever happens. You know what? If you miss the one that was going to, to turn out that way. I think I'll, you'll I'll be all right. That. I'll live with yeah. that. Yeah. All right. This next one's a big one. Um, how about freezing up? Um, uh, also known as paralysis by analysis can happen. It does. It happens a lot. And just also freezing up too. Like you freak out because you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to run out of money. Well, you might. And there's times when you should slow down or maybe take it, you know, do something different. But at the same time, it's like, I'll give you an example. Let's say you built, you open a store and your store is not on a major thoroughfare. So no one knows where you are, but you're worried that you're going to like, Oh my God, my money's tight. If you don't promote your business after you put, went through all the, you know, expense to open it. Well, they're probably not going to show up and buy stuff from you. They don't just magically appear because the business is built. Yeah. It's like field of dreams, dude. If you build it, they will come. I mean, I think the one certainty in this trek that we're all on and building our own businesses, no matter what stage you're at, is that the only thing I can tell you 100% is that if you think you know what's going to happen in the future, you don't. Yeah. You know, I'd say that always be prepared for the unexpected. You've heard me say it. There's only one promise I make and that's that things will change. Yep. It's the only constant. Um, another big issue is, you know, sometimes people start a business and you're stressed out cause it's new. And then you create a bad work culture around it. You are pushing people a little too far or, mm-hmm. you know, all right. Remember 10 years ago when we had had the ticket business going and remember I used to get frustrated. Why, why doesn't everybody care? Right. Very, people won't care about your business as much as you do. Get over it. No. Get over it. But And, and don't push for that. But you got to develop a, a working environment that makes it. And no one wants to go to a job they hate. Right. And they're certainly not going to care. And nobody's going to do a good job at the right. job that they hate. Right. Right. I mean, if you're like, man, I, you know, like 80% of people when polled say they hate their job. Yeah. I mean, the work culture has a lot to do with it. Um all right, you can go ahead and take this next one. So a shotgun or unfocused approach to customer acquisition. 
So as we kind of alluded to, just because you build the business doesn't mean that they're going to show up to buy what you're selling. Yeah. Now this is hard. This is hard though. It is. I mean, it, it really is. And and I have, th- there's three words that I use when it comes to the three golden words of marketing, test, test, test. It's all you need to know. You got to test right. things. And, you know, I do recommend testing a couple different things until you find, I tell people you want to find a crack. And then once you find it, you need to figure out a way to shove an elephant through it. Right. You know, um, but just being all over the place and doing 900 different things is also a bad idea. Or trying things one time and saying, well, that didn't work and moving on. You need to have a refined approach to how you're going to do this. The, The goal at the end is to create something that... I mean, you set it as an elephant through the crack, but I would just say, make sure that it's something that's scalable, that can be long-term, or if it's a short-term need, make sure you have a backup plan in place and you're always testing. It's it's a constant science experiment that's always changing. Right. Yep. Also important. I think that that has to start with identifying who your customers are. Yeah. It's true. So it's, it's who are you marketing to? Who are you marketing to? If like we rent, we have this problem with Gigabook. Remember that in the beginning we're like, Hey, this would be great for so many people. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh shit, this is great for so many people. Where do we start? Right. You know, like it seems like Mm -hmm. a gift to have 200 million people to market to in the United States. And then you start realizing, Oh my God, like I don't have money for a Super Bowl ad (laughs) because the people that, the people that need to market to those large bodies of of their major brands. Right. It's like Coca-Cola or whoever, Apple. Okay. I mean, that leads us directly into the next point. Ignoring signs to pivot, right? So we thought we knew what our target market was. We thought there was a great way to approach it. And then we realized it was way bigger than we thought. We didn't know where to start. It was a way to pivot to a more refined approach to what we were going to do in the future. Which our pivot ended up being based around trying to customize. Right. Um, and being customizable. Like we quickly realized that you either had an industry specific booking platform or you didn't and unless we were going to pick an industry which we didn't we needed to do something so we said you know let's make this thing customizable which was a whole separate rabbit hole to go down because it made anything and everything six times more involved right because you have to be able to turn it on turn it off turn it up turn it down change it green turn it red if this then that and there were so Mm. many predecessors and related giving me a headache even thinking about it (laughs) um but yeah, so ignoring signs to pivot, uh, just doing the same thing because that's what you thought you were going to do is so, it's a good way to fail. I think it's important to, to, as you plan and start your business to always kind of have an idea about the different possible applications for whatever you're doing or whatever your business is operating. Like, and then you got to consider your market size too. Right. You know, and that's, you know, are you... Is your success or failure completely wrapped up in being successful within industry X? Well, I, I think the most successful entrepreneurs are the ones that manage to somehow have eyeballs in the side of their head, the back of their head, the, I'm like, the back corner I'm like, of their I'm head. I might have them on the top of mine. I'm covered you, in yeah. eyeballs. You and have then, to have and your head ears, on a swivel. And ears. Right. I, you always hear me tell you, like I did that the other day. I was like, the business was talking to me at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. My businesses wake me up with like haunting me. 
I'm like, oh. it's like weird, like spider sense that never seems to occur during daylight hours. It's always at like three 30 in the morning I wake up and I'm like, but wait, there's something wrong. And that those are unresolved issues that come back. Um, we've talked about this a lot lately, including our recent episode about negative productivity, but you know, time management. It's a big one. When you start a new business, there's 10 million things that you need to do. And that can become so consuming too. And there are still yeah. only 24 hours in the day. That number doesn't go up because you own a business. I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working yeah. on building an app for that. Can we do like a change.com? Yeah. What I'm, I, the best I've been able to do is it's just a clock that runs significantly slower. And the, pro- <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you just end up being late for everything and then you're, yeah, and then it's bad. So I'm not really sure how I'm going to fit. I might need to pivot. And I might need to pivot out of my 28 hour time management solution. But, you know, you talk about time management and being able to do things, you know, the next item on our list is, uh, you know, early stage obstacles is having weak co-founders. If you have people that aren't, that aren't helping, you know, I think people give away way too much equity to co-founders, not knowing anything. Right. You know, if you have all the resources, all whatever, and blah, blah, blah. People ask me that all the time. They're like, well, what percentage should I give away? I'm, I tell them I am not touching that answer. It, I, you have no idea. It's a tricky one. You have no idea. I mean, and that, and shit, we even wrote, I even wrote it in a book. It's easier to get rid of your wife or your husband or your partner <laughs> than it is your business partner. I think in a lot of cases, that's true. It's totally true. Yeah. Yeah, you can force the change on the other. It's very difficult to get someone to sell you back that equity. Right. Some things you can do with that, though, that are helpful is, you know, if you're paying someone with equity, um, you know, you got to put some things in there, vest it. Don't just give it all away right away. You know, you write a simple clause that says if, you know, 20% to receive 20% of ownership shares, uh, after two years of participation or, right. and then participation is defined, defined as participation. reasonable, this reasonable, that blah, 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 blah. Or I don't know. There's, you know, a number of different things you could do that. So, um, wow. This next one on the list is near and dear. How about, uh, inability to scale? I know a company that can help you with that or the ability to scale. Or just not even being they can scalable. Be different sides of the same yeah. sword. If uh, I think the inability to scale is one different problem for your business, but the ability to scale quickly yeah. and rapidly, yeah, like growing pains is a very well known yeah. term for a, a reason. There that's why. Well, that's why that. full scale exists. I think that's why a lot of my job exists. It is why your job exists. Actually, it's why our company exists at full scale, and that's you know with the massive shortage of. Computer programmers in North America, uh, people say, oh, well, I'm going to go raise $3 million. Cool. What are you going to do with it? Because they don't, those investors don't want to hear about how it's going to take you, um, how it's going to take you eight months to build your dev team. (laughs) To build your dev team before you even start building your platform. Yeah. 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 And then at their local rates and all that. So, um, you know, so many people are concerned about what's going to happen if the sky falls, but what happens if everything goes right? Are you prepared for that? Cause that's really what you should be prepared for. I mean, yep. as much as you look good plans or good paths have sunny and rainy day outcomes. It's true. Considered. So, yeah, I yeah. think the best thing to do is like we 
talked about earlier, be prepared for the unexpected. Have a plan for if things go well and if things go poorly. Yeah. You need to be prepared for any scenario because you don't know what the future yeah. holds. And you know what? Some of these things, too, are hard to resolve after. Oh, yeah. And we even ran into that at full scale. Full scale just grew so quickly that we weren't prepared. It's true. We had a lot of issues and we had to literally like say, hey, man, we, we now we've learned through experience that um, if you don't get your arms around that stuff, it gets even uglier later. Oh, yeah. And that's really what you're trying to avoid as well. So, you know, be ready to scale, be ready to and be ready to pre- be ready and prepared to tell an investor what you're going to do with their money, how you're going to use it and how you're going to scale that in in a productive direction. Be and and be kind of right about that too. Like projections and plans are always wrong, but you need to have your arms around that because if you think you're going to require X amount of resource to scale and you are way off, it's not good either. How about competition? It's kind of a crowded world out there, isn't it? It is. Yeah. No such thing as a new idea. Wait, there's no new ideas. I've said <laughs> I think that, they, I've said I think that for gone. a long time. Same with dot coms; they're gone too. Um. You know, you're going to hear investors say this a lot. Space is really crowded. Yeah. It's just hard to compete, man. Right. Like what, what makes you so different? You better be different. If there's already, if you're, especially if you're coming into space, we learned this with Gigabook big time. Uh-huh. And oh my God, six years ago, there were X number of competitors. Now there's, oh my gosh, it's even, it's way more. Oh yeah. Way more. Way more. So well, well, I think the key is if it's already crowded now, it's not going to get thinner. If you don't do something better, faster, or cheaper than the competitors, you have no chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And then that's a two part plan because even if you do something better, faster, or cheaper, you better have a way to tell everyone about it and yeah. get their attention. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a whole nother thing, too. You know, there are certain, uh, well, they taught us this in school. Um, you know, when, all right. There's a couple of things. If you're competing against any company whose name has become a verb, like I'm going to Uber home. A, I'll you, just have Google a big, it. you have a big, you have a big, big, big hill to climb. Um, and then, you know, also with competitors too, like if you make products or something like that, I mean, dude, you got to have distribution and, and stuff like that. Like, Oh yeah, but once Walmart picks me up, do you know how hard it is to get Walmart to pick you up? And trust me, it won't be at the margin that you are hoping for. <laughs> so, well, we can close this out with a simple discussion of lack of planning. It kind of just encompasses everything we've talked about. I, I think all, all the points that we've pointed out up until this point go into being well-planned for success, failure, pivoting your business, being able to do whatever the business and the market tells you to do, you need to have a plan to be able to do that. And then you need to always be able to revise that plan for the new plan because it's ultimately going to change at some point. So you do a lot of planning on behalf of our business. What are what are three, three plans that you won't enter a situation without? So I need to know so just in general speaking, and by, and by the way, plans, for those, for those of you listening, Daryl is really, really, really good at this stuff. So pay attention. So I need it just in conceptually speaking, I need to know everything around me. I need to know the things that are going to be in my peripheral that aren't on my plate every single day that I need to know exists, but I'm not going to always have full attention to such as, uh, so it could be, I know that they, we have an upcoming project that could, in 
in theory, potentially sink the business. But it's not something that I deal with on a daily basis. So it's not in front of me. It's in my peripheral, but I know it has dire consequences to the outcome of our overarching goal. So even though I'm not managing that project, I will keep the fact that that's in my peripheral to know where it is. And then I will be creating some sort of alternative options in case it fails so that I can scoop it up if disaster strikes. So it's always creating those contingency plans on things that I might not necessarily be in charge of. The next thing that I will do that I won't, I won't enter any situation out without having thought through are I kind of just alluded to this options. So I want to know what my goal is, but I wanted to have as many options as possible for when I'm told no, or when inevitably whatever I thought was going to happen doesn't happen. If you create options, it controls the chaos from failing. So as soon as you fail, you're like, all right, that's cool. That's one way that we can't do it. But I already know that I've got these four other options and four from these four other options. I actually have one opportunity if this one works out. So it starts to spider web your different opportunities. So it's the ability to kind of create some success from your failure. Okay. So I, I've always thought that's one of my strong points is operating in chaos and failure because of that. I'm always prepared in that manner. And then the last one is what happens if this works? Yeah. So what we is my, talking about that? Yeah. Right, right. So, so assuming, Hey, the stars align, everything goes well, exactly what I thought was going to happen happens. Do I know the next two steps past that? What happens? How do I control this? If there is a fire hose of information or success that's coming my way, how am I going to control that and keep that from, you know, the the fire hose that you turn on that blasts you back 10 feet to knock, knock you down? How do I control that? What can I do to mitigate anything that could potentially then create some weird failure out of my success? Right. Because I wasn't planned. Well, we, that's a, a great point because, you know, when businesses grow too fast, they can also like kind of incinerate or implode because all of a sudden you get really hot. And I'll give you an example. So we've, you know, we're going to talk more about this soon, but we recently invested in a in a business and it's a lot of it's app related. And, you know, at, you know, about six weeks ago when I was having a meeting with some of the, the principals in it, I, a light bulb popped and I said, Oh my God, this could like legitimately go viral. Are we pre- even prepared for that? What's that? So like, you, is that just going to break everything we do right. and then we're screwed? So you build the app, you turn it on, but you're not prepared for it to go viral. Yeah. So then it does. And there's a million downloads and who is fielding the support requests. Are you sure your app can even handle that many downloads? Yeah. Is that going to break that user activity yep. going to break your app? So it's all those contingency plans of let's say this does go well. Let's make sure we don't, tank our own success in the process of it going well because we weren't prepared for it to actually work. I've seen this happen quite a bit. I mean, really like, you know, now all of a sudden things are going well and can't handle it. You're not prepared to scale. You don't have the resources to run into this a lot with businesses, especially in manufacturing. They'll get a a big, uh, they'll get a big purchase order. Don't have the resources to make the stuff. Right. Can't make it, just like can't ship it. Yeah. Goofy little stuff, man. So it. yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, I think that um, I think we covered a lot of really good stuff here. I mean, the, you know, really at the same time, also don't be so concerned with planning that you don't ever go out and try to sell something. Sales will cure ales. It's true. In most in most cases. A lot of things you could fix along they, the way. They often cr- at least create problems that you'd be happier to have than failing ones. So yep. well, anyway, that's all I got. 
That's all I've got. I'm going to get back to work and trying to do everything I can to not have failure. It's a good idea. All right, cool. See you next time. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.